going on? This is the Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you here on Wednesday night, minutes after the Clippers beat the Suns back-to-back victories with Kawhi Leonard back in the lineup. And back with me on the Ethos Clippers podcast is my co-host, Matt, Matt Warren. Matt, how are you, my friend? Sports, Ethos Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus. How the heck are you? 2024 is off to a bang. And I don't just mean the 7,000 plus fireworks that went off basically what sounded right outside of my bedroom window the other night. I mean, the Clippers are 2-0 in 24. 2-0 in 24, 2024, good year so far, good start. So far, so good. You got a win on New Year's Day and then a win on the 3rd. Totally forgot it was 2024, so good looking out there. Just the, you know, the year switched and all of a sudden, here we are and I'm right there. Well, when with, you're filling when you're filling out all those checks that we all do these days, remember to put 24 instead of 23. That is true, and I'm right there with you with the uh, fireworks. That was not enjoyable getting woken up at about 11:55 on uh, Sunday night when I had to go to work at 6:30 in the morning. So good times there, but fireworks galore from three point range for the Los Angeles Clippers as they beat the Suns without KD, a game in which you should win, even though you're on the road against a good Phoenix team. No Kevin Durant, no excuse, and the Clippers win. And that's after they beat the the Miami Heat without Jimmy Butler. So listen, the Clippers have been picked on many times in the last couple of years when their stars have been out and they've lost games. And so now, when you've got the three guys healthy, you need to win games. And with Kawhi, PG, and Harden healthy, you got to take advantage when these stars are out, and no hard, I mean, no uh, KD and no Butler, and the Clippers got the win. So it's a great place to uh, start the year, no doubt about that. I do want to start off with something you've brought up many times, and that is the 50-40-90 that you've been watching mm-hmm. for Kawhi Leonard. And today was a 50-40-90 for the Clippers and the whole entire team. It was a fantastic performance for the Clippers, and I'm trying to pull up these exact numbers for you. Um, First of all, for Kawhi, by the way, this stat, courtesy of the Clippers, Kawhi scored 30 tonight on 9 of 16 shooting, 13th consecutive game that Kawhi has made 50% of his shots when attempting at least 14 shots. 13 straight games that he's shooting over 50%. He joins these players who have also done it. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did it three times. Shaquille O'Neal. Two times, both those guys are centers. Giannis, monster. LeBron James and Artis Gilmore, to which I really want to respond with a gif. Who the hell is Happy Gilmore? That Vern Lundquist uh, <laughs> gif. But anyways, you've been tracking it. You've been on top of this from the start. And we'll start there with Kawhi and the Clippers shooting well. It's it, If you have Kawhi playing this well, it's hard to lose games, Matt. It, it really is. Absolutely. And it was 50, 50, 90 tonight mm-hmm. for the Clippers, 55, 52, basically 53 from downtown and a little bit over 90% from the line. And yeah, when you're that efficient, you're going to win ball games. And, you know, I was listening to um, Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe talk about their league pass uh, teams today, but they, they digressed a little bit into the MVP discussion because they were talking about Shea, and they said the o- Oklahoma City has sort of taken on the persona of Shea, and they said that's kind of what Denver did with with uh, the Joker. And you can kind of, if you want to talk about the Clippers being this efficient, 
and just this precise, well, maybe that's taking on a little bit of the persona of the guy I'm still pushing an MVP case for, and that's Kawhi. And I think he's now won, <clears throat> pardon me, sorry, got a little bit of a cold here, on a personal 11-game winning streak, I believe, Kawhi Leonard, because I think they lost when he's out of the lineup. Um, but they were winning before he got hurt, and then he got hurt, and then they won a couple. So 11 wins in a row, I believe it is, for Kawhi. Um, that's damn good. And when he's playing that well, it's tough to lose games. And you've got those other two guys that have been phenomenal. And you'll certainly take it, man. And I think it's a good way to start the podcast is just the way Kawhi Leonard played. And you know what's funny is that we talked about this last podcast, Matt, about how um, it just seemed like it was a if one guy's off, the other guy chips in in a certain quarter. And it happened again this game. And it happened against Miami, too where Kawhi didn't do anything against Miami in the first quarter. He was 0 for 2, I think it was, in seven minutes. And then Kawhi had an unbelievable second quarter. He played 12 straight minutes. All 13 of his points came in the second quarter. And then you look at today, where Harden and uh, Kawhi don't score in the first quarter. PG had 17, and then Kawhi had 12 in the second. Harden had 9. So it's not even this team really is a your turn, my turn, because that's what it felt like initially when they were trying to integrate Harden. But it just works out that way where one guy really has gotten going and he's been the one carrying it and they've made their substitutions and the other guys get involved. And it's been good to see that all three of these dudes are getting theirs when you could see in star lineups sometimes it doesn't happen. It has happened where the Clippers haven't had a lull because all three guys are chipping in when the other guy may not be doing well, the other two are. And that's been good to see so far. Couldn't agree more. And it's and to harken back to our last pod, we were also saying it's it's a bit of stick to itiveness. Like so so when it's not going for one guy, they don't hang their head. They don't just camp out in the corner. They don't say, okay, maybe this is not my game. They keep playing and more importantly, they keep playing on defense. They keep passing the ball. Even though there was a lot of ISO tonight. They keep passing the ball. They they just make the right defensive rotations, and they don't give up, and they know that their time will come, and that's kind of what you need. That that's, that's championship DNA, when it's not always going to be one guy, and then if it is the one guy, the other one, two stars are going to hang their head and say, okay, well, this is this game is guess not for me. I'm not even going to try on the defensive end. I'll jog back. We've seen that with, with that with count, countless teams, and this team is not not made up that way. At least that's what it's shaping up to be. Um, and it's it's great to see and you know to trust to trust each other the big the, those big three if you want to call them that but then to trust the other guys the T Mans the Tice the Westbrook who had some crazy decisions today but for the most part Westbrook uh, Powell I mean I, I was I, I woke up my wife who was you know went to sleep a little early I screamed Norm so loud I, I probably sound like one of those fireworks from <laughs> from the other night. Uh, but uh, he had some, he had a boneheaded play towards the end, but other than that, Norm was incredible. So to have the, the other guys, the others, as they say, the incendiary pieces, pick, pick up the pieces too, and just kind of fill in the blanks and fill in the puzzle pieces. It's championship DNA, man. I'm telling you. And like you said, to, to win these games, you know, okay, no KD, no, no Jimmy butts. We get it, but those are games you have to win. And they did. Yeah. And to, uh, continue on your point Kawhi certainly should be in the MVP conversation I mean there's no doubt about it Shea's been better I mean Shea and Bede and Jokic have all been better um and it's gonna be tough for someone like Kawhi to get it because I just feel like he gets a bad rap by the media for the number of games he plays and load management and that stuff but 
people are will watch these games and they'll realize how damn good he has been. I mean, you look at the game against the Heat where um, I don't think Kawhi scored in the uh, when when the Heat took a 14 point lead. I believe it was La Murray that posted this. They scored 24 during their 36 point turnaround. So Kawhi just has been so essential to the Clippers and what they've done. And you talk about championship DNA, and that certainly goes to what we saw against the Heat, where you fall behind, you don't give up, and you come back. And then you saw it again today against the Suns, where you get a lead and you hold on. The other team may come back, and the Suns were red hot from three in that second half. And I had a friend that texted me, and it's like, this is going to be a bad loss. I said, no, they're going to win this game. And it was I think it was nine or ten point lead at that point. I just didn't think that the Suns had enough in them, and I've just been that confident in the Clippers. Like, listen, they they do some dumb stuff. Kawhi missed a layup. Russ took a stupid three in the corner. I mean, they've done some bad things in in certain moments, but just this team in general over a long stretch has shown us that they've got it. I mean, whether it's drawing fouls and getting to the free throw line with guys like Harden or PG or it's getting good looks for a guy like Norm late in games. I mean, Norm has come up with so many clutch shots in the fourth quarter. And then we saw even today with Terrence Mann, how good he's been. We'll talk about him a little bit. But you talk about championship DNA, and championship DNA is being able to come back when you're down big and being able to hold on to a lead when you're up big. And they've shown that this week in two separate games that they can do both ways, which is certainly impressive. It's super impressive. And just to keep on the... uh on the DNA conversation, that's championship DNA. But I, I am also on a on a Clippers th- thread, text thread, believe it or not. And I was, you know, there's the uh, the the sick throwing up emojis. You know, when when the Suns are making their comeback, and we have to admit, as Clippers fans, as Clipper fan DNA, we are kind of it's ingrained in us to expect to lose these kind of games, to yeah. expect that of course the Suns are going to come back after we have a 23 point lead of course Devin Booker is going to go crazy and and Bull Bull is going to hit threes and Eric Gordon's going to bowl, bowling ball his way in, into the paint and we're just going to lose this game that is ingrained in us in our DNA and it has been because of so many years of over and over and over and over and over however long you've watched the Clippers you you've been hurt okay that's just the way it is but I was in your camp uh, in this in this particular scenario where I was like, no, A, I don't fear the Suns. We all know that. But B, I believe in this particular Clippers team, the way they are playing right now, their lineups, what Ty Lue has them doing, the rotations, the shortening a bit of the bench. I um, I did not think they were going to lose this game, even during that comeback, even during the fourth quarter where they got outscored 31-24. to 24, I thought, I knew as a matter of fact, that the Clippers were going to win this game. And that is a big difference from what is ingrained in my Clipper fan DNA to sort of expect the worst. And I think a lot of that has to do with James Harden. I just feel like his ability to play the point guard position and just command the offense, where in the past, I don't know if I have as much confidence in a guy like Russell Westbrook at the end of a game making the right decision. And you saw even late, um, I think it was James Harden that had the ball on a fast break with like, what, two minutes left, and he made a U-turn back towards the half-court line mm-hmm. where he could have easily gone and taken a shot and perhaps missed it, but instead he took time off the ticker, and that's a veteran-savvy move. And I just think between him, Kawhi, and PG, if all three guys are healthy, 
I feel confident the Clippers can compete with any team in the West. Now, this game against OKC, games against New Orleans, those are the ones you certainly want to watch because those are the young teams that give the Clippers a hard time. And we'll see those two teams. Um, I think next game is New Orleans, isn't it? So, yeah, we'll see New Orleans up next in Zion and Ingram has done great against the Clippers. But the Clippers have started to show us that they have the recipe. They've got these three dudes and they've got the complementary pieces. And T-Man is starting to figure it out, too. Our buddy Shap from the Lob the Jam podcast tweeted post game. He did this, the research for us. In the last two games, T Man is 10 of 15 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3. And you and I talked about do we trust that he's going to get back and figure it out, or are we concerned? And do, does a lineup change need to be made? And I said, he's shown us enough in the past that we need to give him a longer leash and we need to see if he can shoot out of it. And he did. And so that's great to see. Yeah, you want to talk about you know, stepping it up in first quarters when Kawhi doesn't have it. Well, it was Paul George, but it was really T-Man. I mean, T- he was he was firing away from three. I think he had two in the first in the first quarter. He yeah. had at one point the Clippers were up eighteen to whatever it was, and all eight, nine points were from Paul George. Nine points were from T-Man, right? So uh, T-Man has really started to step up and figure it out, and you you need that because he is going to be. I mean, we know this incredibly instrumental especially on defense his size his versatility on defense um his ability his switch ability uh and you know with and harden is to uh, like we said he's been kind of fabulous on defense at least for harden standards but with team man in that starting lineup with his defense he's going to be crucial and if he's willing to shoot if he makes the other team's defense honest or he can drive he can draw some fouls i mean whatever he can do to contribute on that end is going to be a plus. You want to talk plus? Of course, he was the biggest plus minus in the game at plus 17, only playing 23 minutes. But T-Man has started to figure it out offensively because defensively, we always knew he was going to be a dynamo and add something much sorely needed to that that starting lineup. But yeah, offensively, he's going to start to learn his, or he's going to start trusting his shot more. He said as much. And when that happens... Boy, it's going to be uh, it's going to add a whole new dynamic. Yeah, I mean, everyone talked about PG with his 17 points in the first quarter, but Team Man had 12 with those couple of threes he referenced, and so no Harden, no Kawhi offensively, and Man was right there to help pick up the slack, and so he was great, obviously offensively. Um, and when you mentioned the defense, there's one more guy I want to talk about um, and their defense and what they contribute to this game, and I'll do so right after this break. Okay, so we talked about T-Man and his defense, but one guy that's kind of been written off the last couple of weeks in terms of how he's played defensively, but was really good tonight, was PG. Um, He had a couple of really nice plays. Um, Shane Young at Young NBA, who's now covering the Suns, uh, mostly for Forbes. He was at the game. And he talked about a, he showed a clip where PG was able to just race out and contest his shot. And then later on in the game, Kogi had an open three chose not to take drove baseline PG drove uh, and PG was able to draw the charge there and then the Suns were making a late run and he got a steal um, late in the game when the Clippers were up by 11 so he played some really good defense and if PG's playing that level of defense man along with Kawhi and T-Man <clears throat> sorry I'm crying he's been so I get, good I, I get I get choked up too it's cool. it's they're right. gonna be tough to beat if he's playing this well 
it's going to be nearly impossible. And, you know, we talked about a few episodes ago, where, where is this dynamic duo on defense that we always heard about the, the Jordan and Pippen-esque Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? Well, of course it's not quite to that level, but we are seeing them play just incredible lockdown and very, very, very switchable defense. I, I, and I, I do want to point out on defense too, and I totally agree with the Paul George um, point that you were making. I think he's kind of actually been underrated just recently with with Kawhi's play, with Harden stepping it up and now being Harden. Paul George maybe gets a little lost in the shuffle, or at least a lost in the conversation. He has been fantastic pretty much all year. I know we've we've had our issues with him, um, sort of saying the glue guy, the the one Bs, the all this, that, and the other. But boy, just Paul George is. He's a phenomenal player defensively stepping it up. The steals are great. My fantasy team appreciates it. Zubots, if you look at his um look at his box score, it's I it's honestly not that great. He he did have five fouls, you know, six points, uh, three boards, two assists. But on defense, I noticed a couple of times because Devin Booker was trying to get him switched onto him nonstop, right? And it would it, it would work, but so the Clippers would recover, and then Zoo would just run back into the paint to uh, cover. At this, usually Nurkic at this point, because this is a lot in the first half, but before Bull Bull got in there. But Zoo's recovery into the paint after he got switched on, the Clippers would recover, and he would, uh, and Zoo himself would recover into the paint. I just thought I, I noticed it a few times. And I just want to give him some credit for that because that is just hustle, hustle, hustle on Zubach's part. I know he didn't have the greatest box score tonight. But I did appreciate him doing that, just maximum effort in that regard. Yeah, that's all you can ask for, man. You can All you can ask for is effort. And it really seems like everybody put forth the effort tonight. And we talked about the offense. I mean, it was obviously incredible. You meant, We mentioned PG, 17 in the first, and then he was great again in the uh, third quarter. I think he had 11 in the third quarter, um, or maybe he had nine. Uh, either way, he was great in the third quarter. And after only having, I think, four points in the second. And so he had had 17 in the first, he had four in the second, and then 11 in the third. And so PG just took over in certain spurts of the game. He was quiet in the fourth quarter. But nonetheless, I mean, you had great games from Harden, 22 and 11. Kawhi, you had 38 and 3. um, 30 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, that is. But the Clippers had 18 threes as a team. That's one shy of the most they've had this season, according to Andrew Greif. And so when you shoot that well and you show the effort that they did defensively with active hands and team man PG Kawhi all had two steals, plus Kawhi had a couple of blocks, as did Zoo, all around a pretty good game. And, and the Suns are a good team, so they're going to go on a run. So I thought this was a really good effort all around from the Clippers. Can I read you um, James Harden's assist numbers in the last 10 games? Yeah, do it. We're going to start on 12-14 versus the Warriors. And then we're going to end tonight, obviously, 1-3-2024. Assists for James Harden. 15-12-9-11-6-9-8-13-10-11. I think Harden might be back, guys. Yeah, he's good. He He's really, really good. And it just seems like I mentioned that I trust this team late in games. It's because of Harden. It's just... He's able to find these passes to guys like Zoo. The Zoo Harden pick and roll is just so, so good. And you put that with guys like PG and Kawhi, and it's a tough team to beat. And so I've been really impressed by what I've seen from James Harden. And the Clippers, like with those three guys healthy, they're tough to beat. And so you talk about 
what they did offensively and how good Kawhi has been and how good they, they shot, obviously, all together. But if PG's playing this well, Kawhi has just been out of this world, and then Harden's doing what his, he's doing, then if you even get those contributions from Mann and Zoo and Powell, I mean, it's a, it's a contender. And so, again, uh, it, it's been amazing to see. <clears throat> Sorry, and Powell, I, I want to give you a chance to discuss what he's done because – Again, a couple of late threes and a couple of late shots that he made, and he just continues to be unbelievable in the fourth quarter of these games, which has been so clutch for the Clippers. No! So clutch. I mean, he, he, and he closes a lot of these games, as you're seeing. You know, he one thing you were talking about, with, and I do remember exactly when James Harden made that U-turn and was like, let's slow it down, even made the slow down motion with his hand. But towards the end, there was a almost... A very, very deadly turnover when Norm should have probably done the exact same thing, but tried to go for a layup, turned it over. Luckily, the Suns came right back and it bounced right off of uh, EG's shoulder, so they turned it right back over. No harm, no foul. No harm, no pal. But but he has been unbelievably clutch just on the offensive end, right? Okay, no, he's no dynamo, no dynamo defensively. But late game, he's a guy you can count on to get you a shot. And I'm surprised at how deadly he's been from three as of late. I only have the last two games up in front of me right now, but four or five from downtown against Miami and three of five from downtown tonight. Now, he's never I've never thought of him as a dead eye shooter. Maybe he has been, but I never thought he was this efficient from three and just this efficient altogether. Uh, Five of eight from the field altogether and nine of 11 against the Heat. So when you've got a guy like that, that can create for himself, that can dish, and the, most importantly, and he didn't have any free throws against the Heat, and guess what, he didn't have any free throws tonight, but I still stand by Norm Powell can get to the line when need be. He's the guy that just can generate offense, can generate points, and can hold a lead, most importantly, when a lead needs to be held like it really did tonight. So I appreciate everything that he does just so much on the on the offensive end of the floor, and I, I'm I'm sure he has his rotations set on defense, but that's not really really what he's in here for. And I, I, I just get more and more and more convinced that he cannot be in any trade discussions. I know the trade deadlines in however many weeks it is, February is approaching. It'll be here before we know it. Um, but I just think he's invaluable to this team. He's maybe not a six man of the year candidate, although we could talk about awards till the cats come home. Cows, cat, cows. But I do think Norman Powell, Norman Cowell, is freaking awesome, and I love him. And I'll continue to scream Norm every time he hits a big three in a clutch situation. And you may have woken up your wife again with that Norm, but listen, she'll she'll ask you what you're so excited about, and you'll just yell Norm. And I'm glad you brought up. Um, some of the stuff about Norm because Andrew Greif wrote a really good article in the LA Times today and Brian Seaman mentioned it in the broadcast as well that um, he's had to really take a step back and not be upset with what his role is because he's used to it being different where he has the ball in his hands more but he's now more of a catch and shoot type guy and uh, Shap again from the Lava Jam pod did some research and his ball handler frequency has been cut in half compared to last year. It was 25.6 last year, 12.9 this year. And his dribbles per touch is down from 3.09 to 2.13. So he's become more of a catch-and-shoot type guy. 
more than a guy that has the ball in his hands to create because he's got other guys around him that now does that. And so he's accepting his role. And his role has been to take threes and make threes. And he's done that. And he's shooting 45% from three this year, which is the best for a season that he's had. He shot 54% with the Clippers, but that was in five games, um, a very small sample size. Uh, when he got traded from Portland, remember, he played only five games, then he got hurt. And last year, he shot about 40%. So he's been unbelievable this this year from three. And his three-point attempts, I think it's the second most in the team, according to Shep, behind PGs um, when it comes to catch and shoot. So you look at what he has done with this team and what he's become, and we mentioned Kawhi, PG, and Harden, and we've kind of danced around the other guys as well in this pod. But Powell has fit the need to have that catch-and-shoot type guy and he's been great. And you pair that with a guy like Mann, who's getting some confidence back, and he's getting some offensive explosion along with the, that confidence. And then, of course, whatever Zoo does, and that's a really dangerous top six to have. And so Powell's really accepting his role, and he's been absolutely incredible. And like you said, like we've talked about this plenty of times. The dude's untradeable at this point because of what he fills for this team. You need a guy like Norm Powell, and he's been fantastic. So I've been glad to see it from him. Yeah, he was great. You know, I, I mentioned that Russ had a few questionable plays. He had some, he had some, he had some good stuff as well. But you know, we let's give him credit too because, and I, I, I meant to write this down because I wanted to get the wording. I want to get the wording correct. Brian Seaman referred to him, and all my pens are obviously out of ink for writing twenty twenty four on all the checks I've been writing. But he referred to Westbrook as, I believe, the governor of vibes. For the Clippers, I believe that's what he said. He's the governor of vibes. When they were talking, Jim Jackson was talking about him being the first one off the bench, you know, just cheering on your teammates. And he is indeed that provides a bit of a spark off the bench, you know, only 18 minutes tonight, uh, 18 minutes again against the Heat. So his role has certainly been shrunken down. And, you know, he had a, I hit a, a three that was, was ill advised and a couple of turnovers here that sort of, made you scratch your head, but that's the rest experience. But I'm not I'm not mad at it because in, in 18 minutes a game, you know, he can get those big those big offensive rebounds. He can disrupt a few passes. So I'm 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 not here to bag on Russ at all. I'm very positive about what's happening obviously in 2024 and in the past however many games since the Clippers have really started to get it going. And Russ is a part of it, be it on the bench for the most part, and on the floor for not all that much of it. Yeah. I, I mean, in the uh, game against Miami, he had <clears throat> a really rough stretch, uh, a couple of really bad shots and turnovers. Um, but listen, I mean, Russ has played his role, and his, his locker room presence and his energy has been huge. So you got to take that for sure. And then um, in the second half of the game against the Heat, um, Ty adjusted by keeping Harden on the floor with PG and Russ instead of pulling him to keep Harden as that leader. And that kind of shows you how Kawhi, I mean, how Ty sees Harden and how important he is as a floor general. As much as uh, Russ is able to do it, it feels like Harden's importance just has continued to take a step forward every single game. So um, good to have all those guys, no doubt about that. And then you look at the standings, man, and all of a sudden the, the Clippers are really making themselves known in this Western Conference, where I think right now they're three games back of first place of Minnesota, two games back of Denver, two games back of OKC. And it'll certainly take some of these games where Sacramento yesterday lost to Charlotte 
and they're playing Orlando right now as we're as we're uh, recording, and it's a close game there. If you can somehow get another Sacramento loss, that'd be great. And then the Lakers are losing to Miami, and so if the Lakers lose, it's great. So all these teams behind the Clippers, if they can keep losing, that'd be awesome. So the Clippers right now are in a great position. I mean, if if the Clippers, um, I mean, if the Lakers lose tonight, the Clippers will be six losses ahead of the Lakers, which is huge. Um, obviously with plenty of time left, but just shows you how good of a recovery the Clippers have made since that really poor performance once they traded for James Harden. They've been absolutely spectacular. And so they're in good position right now. And I think they got two wins they need to get against two teams that were without their star player. And now uh, we'll see what they're capable of against a New Orleans team that's giving them a lot of problems. The Lakers game should be tough, but it should be a game that they win as long as Kawhi plays. And I'll be curious to see what happens in that back-to-back because I would assume that Kawhi may sit um, in that game against Phoenix at home. We'll see. Who knows? Um, But yeah, I mean, right now we have uh, New Orleans on Friday and then the Lakers on Sunday. And then it's Phoenix again on Monday. Um, So an interesting three-game stretch. And we'll see how the Clippers uh, look coming out of it. But nonetheless, it's it's three games against three very different teams. But I think the New Orleans game is one I'm keeping my eye on. How about you? I'm so focused on this New Orleans game. And I'm happy you mentioned the Kings and the standings because you look at the standings and actually – New Orleans is fifth, right behind the Clippers, and they have the same amount of wins on the season. And so it um and and New Orleans for some reason, and I think we know the reason, the 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 length, the athleticism, the youth, it's an OKC problem that that is New Orleans a New Orleans problem as well. But I think the Clippers are I think the governor of vibes is going to instruct them that we are in a better headspace now. Yeah. We're more we're more cohesive. Uh, and we can withstand whatever punch that this New Orleans team throws at us. The Zion piece will be interesting. I don't. I don't know that he's been playing all that well recently, to be honest with you. But he he is a a guy that can sort of get to the rim at will. I mean, he Kawhi is arguably the strongest guy in the league. But you you, you know, there's also Giannis, but. Zion has to be up there, and at least by brute force, the strongest guy in the league. So we'll see how they handle Zion. Ingram has always killed them. I wonder. Um, okay, I'm going to put Valanciunas's oh god uh, three point over under at, and I'm going to put it pretty low for you. I'm going to put it at three point five oh, over under three point five. What do you think? He'll go lower. I think I think he'll go lower than that. Under than three point five. But but it's funny that you just mentioned that because you mentioned Ingram who's obviously very good. McCollum, very good. Zion, very good. JV has been unbelievable against the Clippers. So that's the reason why the Clippers have struggled. I mean, right then, there's four really good dudes, whereas, again, Phoenix today had two dudes. Like, they had two guys. And it's just very different with New Orleans. And then you add in Herb Jones, who was unbelievable defensively last time the Clippers played them. He got into foul trouble, and that's the only time really where the Clippers look good. And then... Maybe Trey Murphy is healthy for this game. He hasn't played the last couple of games. If he doesn't play, I think the Clippers have a much better chance to win that game. But if he does play, I think this game becomes a lot tougher for the Clippers because they have six dudes that are legit studs. And the Clippers, of course, have six dudes that are legit studs, along with some other dudes that play that are good role players. But 
everyone's going to have to contribute, just like they have in the last couple of games. Everyone's going to have to contribute because this New Orleans team is really good, and there's a lot of different guys that can beat you. And if Nance is right and bouncy, you know, you got to yeah. account for him as well. So yeah. that's that's another one that can potentially cause the Clippers some problems. So, yeah, the, the Pelicans are, are a whole different beast from the Suns. The Suns are extremely top-heavy, and then it falls off of a cliff. New Orleans, you're, you're right, kind of like the Clips. You look down the line, and you have to respect everybody from one through probably nine if we were to go all the way down and maybe even ten. Yeah. So we'll see when we do another podcast, by the way, because um, obviously we're recording this one. I wanted to make sure we got one out to talk about Miami and Phoenix because um, tomorrow I got a broadcast, so can't do that tomorrow. And we're able to get to you right after this game. So uh, you have a little bit of time to digest it before the New Orleans game. And then uh, maybe we'll do one between New Orleans and Los Angeles. And then there's obviously the back-to-back. And so uh, the next one maybe may come Tuesday after the New Orleans-LA Phoenix games. We'll see what happens and what we're able to do. But, of course, you can follow us on Twitter, slash X, at BD Marcus for myself, at Matt Matawarren is my co-host. And if you can rate and review the podcast, always do appreciate those five-star ratings and great kind reviews as well that we will read on this podcast. So, until next time, he is Matt, and I am Brandon, and go Clips. Go Clips. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.